I'm uh, station manager Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Jane, you ignorant slut. It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. 3-605.10.20.22.24.26.50.70.80. It specifies clean shirt, short hair, tie, pressed trousers, sports jacket or suit, and leather shoes, preferably with a high shine on them. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. And what are we reviewing this time? By the way, I'm Scott White, once again. And what are we reviewing this time? You hear that? I don't know if you can hear that. You hear that shaking? This is a VHS tape. The best of Saturday Night Live, 1979. That's what we're reviewing this time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Now, just to be clear, it's not the entire season of 1979. It's not the best sketches over the entire season. It's just three episodes cut down to about 35 minutes each. So that's what we're getting on this VHS tape. They took what they thought was the best episodes of that year, put it on this tape, cut out the musical acts altogether, and just got it down to what they thought were the best sketches. We're going to hop right into it. No need to, no need to, um, um, what is it? No need to, um, stall. Yes, we're going to get right into it. All right, the first episode, the first it stars Ricky Nelson, or Rick Nelson, as it is here on the tape, as the host. And Rick Nelson was one of the sons on the show Ozzie and Harriet, which was a 1970s, I'm sorry, a 1950s sitcom, family sitcom. And he was a heartthrob in the, uh, in the 1950s and the 60s. And here we go, a tangent alert, tangent alert. Scott's going to go on a tangent, tangent alert. Rick ne- Ricky Nelson is the star of one of my favorite westerns, Rio Bravo, starring John Wayne, Dean Martin, and, of course, Ricky Nelson, directed by Howard Hawks. Now, this is a direct remake of another Howard Hawks movie, El Dorado, starring John Wayne, Robert Mitchum, and James Caan. So Robert Hawks remade a movie that he made almost shot for shot just with different stars, if that, if that makes any sense. So back from the tangent, back from the tangent, back from the tangent. We are back from the tangent, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to start with the first sketch of that episode, and it's Dick Lanky from WGN Radio. And this sketch plus another, there's a lot of references to Chicago in all of these episodes. And that has to mainly do because I know that Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Bill Murray, Gilda Radner were all with the Second City, both Toronto and Chicago. And if you want more about that, visit my previous podcast where we focused on the Second City, the first 20 years of the Second City. More information on that. So this is a a radio station, and Bill Murray's Dick Lanky, and he's just this calm, mellow, DJ talking about what's going on. He's not doing it. It's a very, I get, it's a very mellow, low key sketch, which might be kind of odd to open a show, but it works. He's not playing one of these wacky morning DJs where honk honk and bouncing off the wall. It's just very, very mellow jokes over a four minute span. And tangent alert, tangent alert, tangent alert. Scott's going off on another tangent. I can't help but compare this sketch to Robert Klein's stand-up. Robert Klein, who hosted Saturday Night Live, who also hosted 
the CD, which I did in the podcast before this one. Have I mentioned I did the Second City podcast before this one? You got to check that one out as well. Anyway, Robert Klein did a joke about a mellow jazz DJ who was reporting on the end of the world, and he was doing it like this. Hey, everybody, the end of the world's coming. You may want to, you know, you may want to put your car in the garage. That might be a good idea. And it has, and this sketch really sort of mirrors that sketch. And Robert Klein did that in the early 70s, and this is done in the late 70s. I'm not saying it's a ripoff. I'm just saying that the idea of the mellow DJ as comedy fodder had been out there. And Bill Murray is just this calm DJ, and Dan Aykroyd walks in as the as the weatherman, and he gives us a whole bunch of weather, except for what the temperature is right now. And Bill Murray asks, what's the temperature right now? And Bill Murray just shrugs and says, I don't know. And it's just little subtle humor like that, which makes the sketch work. All the other cast members call in. This was at the point when there wasn't 57 cast members in Saturday Night Live. There were only seven, so they all had to do the duties on there. So if somebody had to call into a radio station, they called in. Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris, Gilda Radner, all called into this. And one of the uh, call-ins promised Bill Murray a couple of live lobsters. And at the end of the sketch, John Belushi walks in, and John Belushi gets a huge ovation. Because at this point, he had already filmed Animal House. So he was a big, big star at this point. And he gets a huge applause, and Bill Murray asks if those lobsters are live from Maine, and John Belushi goes, no, they're live from New York, and we go right into the opening titles. And it is Don Pardo. Love Don Pardo. Rick Nelson, and he goes through the whole cast, and Rick Nelson comes out. He doesn't most hosts do a, a monologue, but he really doesn't do a monologue. He just he just mentions his name and he goes, well, if you don't like seeing me in color, why don't you just fix the knobs on your TV, show me in black and white, and then we transition. So the monologue really transitions into the first sketch. So the, the monologue is not a monologue. The monologue is sort of a prequel to the sketch, and it's a Twilight Zone sketch. And we hear Dan Aykroyd doing Rod Serling and nailing it. I will say this here, and I'm going to say this throughout this entire podcast, Dan Aykroyd is an excellent impressionist. He is an excellent mimic. He nails the impressions. This first sketch is a Twilight Zone where Ricky Nelson is playing Ricky Nelson from Ozzy and Harriet, and he walks into the Beaver's house, the Cleavers. He walks into the Leave it to Beaver house. Now, this sketch is really, if I don't think audiences today, I don't think the kids today would get this. This was a 1979 show parodying shows from the late 50s and early 60s. I guess it would be sort of a comparison of today is is if Saturday Night Live was making fun of Friends at this point or making fun of Seinfeld at this point. Because these shows that they're parodying were very, very popular in the 50s and 60s and were still popular in reruns in the 70s. The gist of it is uh, Ricky Nelson jumps from sitcom to sitcom. He jumps from Leave it to Beaver to Father Knows Best to the Danny Thomas show. And the standout of the sketch, I think, one of the two standout of the sketch is uh, John Belushi is playing Beaver and he's wearing a Chicago Cubs hat. So once again, Chicago is represented in the sketch. John Belushi is playing the Beaver, and Bill Murray is playing Eddie Haskell. I know this is going to sound odd. 
I know that Bill Murray and John Belushi were cast members for three years out of the four that they were on. They were cast members for three years. They did sketches together. But I, I've fallen out of seeing the old Saturday Night Lives, and I've seen Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd work together on the Ghostbusters, and I've seen Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi work together on the Blues Brothers and uh, Neighbors and other films. I loved seeing Bill Murray and John Belushi have scenes together because they they play off each other very well. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. So, you know, we needed... In, I wish... We needed more Murray and Belushi in our lifetime. I, we, we just did. I, I think it would have been grand. I think it would have been wonderful. This is about a, an 11 a minute sketch. Once again, all the cast members, there's only seven. So we start off with the Cleaver family. And then we cut to Dan Aykroyd doing Rod Serling. And then we cut back to... Um, the sketch where they're at Father's Knows Best. So they're at a different sitcom. And all of the performers had to switch costumes during Dan Aykroyd's speech. So they are doing double time all the time. They are switching. They are putting on makeup. They are putting on um, wigs. They, they're putting on false noses. It's all, it's all the characters jumping from one scene to another. It is virtually flawless. They do a great... I can't tell you what a great job they did. And so we, so what they'll do, the, the gist was, they would go to a scene, cut back to Dan Aykroyd, go to a scene, cut back to Dan Aykroyd. When they cut back to Dan Aykroyd the second time, he's George Burns. And he nails George Burns. Because way back in the 40s and 50s, George Burns had a television show, uh, you know, Burns and Allen, and he did a scene where he would talk directly into the camera. And he nails that. So... If you watch this, if you watch this Twilight Zone sketch, I would suggest go back and watch old Burns and Allen, and you'll see that Dan Aykroyd nails it. Then we cut back to the Danny Thomas show, and in this, I will say this, so in this scene, in the Danny Thomas show, Garrett Morris plays a black maid, and he's going to play a black maid again later in this videotape. Garrett Morris always said that he didn't really have a lot to do on the show, and from seeing these sketches, I can, I can believe it. It was he was always playing the maid, or he was always playing the butler, or he was always playing a pimp, and we'll talk about that. He was always playing stereotypical black characters on this show, and for a show that was supposed to be so progressive. They really, really pigeonholed him into these characters, into these scenes, which he really didn't have a lot to do. I could feel for Garrett Morris not being able to flex his, his creative wings in this series. And then we cut back again to Dan Aykroyd, and now he's Alfred Hitchcock. Dan Aykroyd, as Rod Serling, George Burns, Dan Aykroyd, going through makeup, okay, these are makeup changes. They have to put on a bald cap and a fat suit, and he has to do... All the characters are going through major costume changes in this sketch, except for Ricky Nelson, who's just going from sketch to sketch. This is what Saturday Night Live was about. This was live performance, switching characters, nailing the character, and getting the sketch right. I did a podcast on the SNL album where they all concentrated on shorter sketches, and I mentioned in that sketch that long sketches do not tend to work. Well, this sketch, this long sketch does work. They hit every button, and they hit it well, and every performer gets a chance to shine 
in this. And the sketch ends with Ricky playing Ricky Ricardo from the I Love Lucy show. And that's it. And we go to our next sketch, which is called Candy Slice. And this is another 10-minute sketch. And this is... Uh, Candy Slice is a capsule of the time of 1979. It starts with, first of all, it starts with Paul Schaefer playing Don Kirshner wearing a wicked toupee. So he's playing Don Kirshner. And I know later on David Letterman, he would do a Don Kirshner impression for Dave. So I don't know if this is where it started. And Bill Murray is playing music promoter Jerry Aldini. Oddly enough, tangent alert, tangent alert which is also the name that Bill Murray uh, uses in the movie Meatballs when he's having fun with a reporter. So the sketch is, we have, uh, it's a backstage at a, at a benefit for yeast infections. And once again, this is an entire cast sketch. Lorraine Newman plays Olivia Newton-John, who takes a hit of Coke from Bill Murray. And this was, once again, a time capsule. Back in 1979, cocaine was not viewed as it is today. Cocaine was viewed as coffee. They didn't think it was dangerous. They didn't think it would kill you. They know that now. But then, it's a, it's a very, very casual, very, very subtle drug use scene. And Jane Curtin plays Dolly Parton, and Garrett Morris plays uh, Bob Marley, and uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi play Old Elvis and New Elvis, the Elvis. And it's very funny. It's very funny to see uh, those two playing off as dueling Elvises. And, uh, but the, the star of the sketch is Gilda Radner playing Candy Slice, which is a, she's doing a, uh, a parody of Patti Smythe. Uh, the the singer of the, you know the singer at that time and they drag her onto stage and she does a song about Mick Jagger as one of the most funked up men in in Hollywood it's uh it's a nice backstage it, it's comedy but you know it's kind of real where they show performers all messed up backstage but once they hit the stage they become alive and they start singing I think that happened that happened a lot in this well that happened a lot in the 70s I'm sure it happens a lot now. But they were behind the curtain. Don't look at that person behind the curtain. They're giving us a peek behind the curtain. A funny peek behind the curtain where this is how it happened. These people were messed up. But once they hit the stage, they're able to perform. They have something in them. They have something in their DNA where they're able to overcome what they've just done to their bodies and perform. And that's what you see in this sketch. And now we have, <laughs> and I'm going to mess this up, Coyenes uh, Mas Macho. And it is a game show who, uh, Bill Murray hosts this game show. The first part of the sketch is all in Spanish. And it's a game show where Rick Nelson is a contestant and Gilda Radner is a contestant and Bill Murray is hosting it. And you have to decide who is muy macho, who is more macho, who is mas macho, who is more macho. And they'll have two celebrities, who is more macho. And Bill Murray, first of all, Bill Murray plays it with his hair slicked back. And when he plays it with his hair slicked back, you know that Bill Murray was going bald at an early age. Because uh, when it's when his hair is puffed out and blow-dried, it looks like a fine head of hair. Slicked back like that, you know, ooh, that hair's going to be gone in a couple of years. Sorry, Bill. Not that it affected your career any. Who is more macho? Uh, Bill Murray plays it sort of as a, as a Hispanic Richard Dawson. He's very cheesy with Gilda Radner with the kisses and all that. And then at the end of the sketch, this is a switcheroo sketch. Because at the end, Dan Aykroyd comes in playing Elliot Ness from The Untouchables. It's very funny 
where Dan Aykroyd is speaking English and Bill Murray is speaking Spanish, but they can still understand each other. The sketch is sort of, I don't know, timely, because uh, Dan Aykroyd feels that Bill Murray is hoarding a lot of illegal aliens, so he has his people come in and all these illegal aliens come running out from behind the, from behind the set and they scatter, which is, you know, sort of ironic with everything that's going on in the world nowadays. Saturday Night Live was predicting headlines, you know, what is it, 40 years ago. And then that sketch ends, and then we have The Good Nights with uh, Don Pardo reading it. Now, here's the deal. Don Pardo, at the end of the sketch, at the end of The Good Nights, says, stay tuned for more of the best of Saturday Night Live. They actually got Don Pardo to do the links in this tape, which is nice. We go to the second episode, and in this episode, the host is Margot Kidder, fresh off her success from Superman, and once again, and if they were picking the best episodes from 1979, I don't know why they would do this, but they picked an episode that starts almost exactly like the episode we just saw. It's a Dick Lanky WGN sketch, where Bill Murray is playing Dick Lankin. And the sketch, even though it takes place in a bar, because this episode was shot around St. Patrick's Day, 1979. So it's shot in a bar, St. Patrick's Day, and Dick Lanky is playing the same Dick Lanky he did in the first one. Bill Murray is in a pub on St. Patrick's Day, waiting for the former governor, Richard Daly, the deceased former governor, to appear as a ghost in this pub. Dan Aykroyd plays a... Uh, a bartender who says he claimed he saw him there last year. And at the end of the sketch, much like the sketch from the beginning of the last episode, John Belushi walks in as Jimmy Hoffa, and he says that uh, Mayor Daly couldn't make it, but he's here instead, and he's not dead, but he is live from New York. It's Saturday night. This opening sketch is almost identical to the same opening sketch as the episode before. So that's why I don't understand why they put these two episodes together on this tape. Because you are just seeing basically a carbon copy of the sketch that you just saw. Now, if this was during the season, they wouldn't be back-to-back, -back, so you probably wouldn't notice. But watching this tape, you're definitely going to notice that. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, all you low-energy stay-at-home moms. Is your lack of energy affecting your marriage? Does your husband say that you're a terrible mother to your kids and a terrible wife to him? Well, worry no more, you slovenly housewife, for your problems are over thanks to Dr. Carmichael's Vroom Vroom Energy Capsules. Yes, Dr. Carmichael's Vroom Vroom Energy Capsules will give you the energy you need to be the housewife your husband wants. How do we do it? With caffeine. Each capsule is 200% caffeine. That's right. Do twice as much laundry. Clean the house from top to bottom, including the roof. Make breakfast, lunch, and dinner all at the same time. Take the kids to school without the car. All thanks to Dr. Carmichael's Vroom Vroom Energy Capsules. Dr. Carmichael's Vroom Vroom Energy Capsules. It just might save your marriage. Dr. Carmichael, whose number one priority is family. Anyway, we go to the monologue and uh, Margot Kidder is doing the monologue and during her monologue uh, Gilda Radner comes out and this usually happens when they have um, a host who's just an actor or an actress that doesn't really do monologues or stand up or stuff like that they send out a cast member to help uh, help the host which happens here and the gist of this is the whole crew is drunk the cameramen are drunk 
The director is drunk. Lauren Michaels is drunk. She takes her behind the scenes and shows everybody. And uh, the director is drunk. And Lauren Michael and the director has drank so much that he is almost that that he is almost flatlined. And Lauren Michaels calls a couple of doctors to revive him. And the two doctors that are reviving the director are one Brian Doyle Murray writer of Saturday Night Live and brother of Bill Murray. Now the other one looked very, very familiar to me and I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized he played a role in the movie. Tangent alert, tangent alert. I'm going off on a tangent. This other guy, he looked like a guy who played Max Von Sydow's sidekick in the movie Strange Brew. I looked him up and his name was Brian McConaughey. And he was a writer on Saturday Night Live at this time, and he was also uh, connected to um, National Lampoon. If you know who I'm talking about, and if you've seen this sketch, see, I I'm almost 100% sure that it is this guy named Brian McConaughey playing the other doctor. And Brian McConaughey and Brian Doyle Murray, the two Brians, revive the director. And the show goes on! And we go into a Navy parody commercial, the Navy Adventure. And this commercial is very, very basic, where it just shows a bunch of guys in the Navy cleaning toilets and scrubbing floors and mopping. And they say, if this is the life for you, join the Navy. It's very, very short. It's very, very sweet. Nice parody commercial. Then we have, oh, one of the best sketches of all time. One of the best Dan Aykroyd sketches of all time. Red Garvin, male prostitute. The, the sketch is Margot Kidder is from out of town. She's from, where else? Chicago. Another Chicago reference in the sketch. Dan Aykroyd shows up and says, usually when a man's out here on business, they send up a female prostitute. But since she is a woman, they send up Fred Garvin, male prostitute. And this is just, uh, this sketch is just a delight to watch. Margot Kidder and Dan Aykroyd play off of each other very well. Dan Aykroyd plays the prostitute like a Midwestern dad. He refers to her like she's his daughter, which is kind of weird, but he plays it like a Midwestern dad. He's very, very corny, and he's, uh, very, he's, he's very, very non-sexy. But she, once again... She agrees to get into bed with Fred Garvin, male prostitute. He, he, they get in the bed together, and he's wearing a bunch of trusses, and he says one of the best lines ever uttered on Saturday Night Live is, oh, yes, please, you can unbuckle my truss, just don't touch the rupture. And I, that's just hilarious. To me. And we hear a knock at the door, and it's uh, Garrett Morris playing Fred Garvin's pimp. And once again... Garrett Morris is pigeonholed into the black guy playing the pimp. I thought it would be a much better twist if Fred Garvin is a male prostitute, have a female pimp taking care of Fred. I thought that would be a nice twist on it. This sketch is one of the highlight sketches of Dan Aykroyd's career on Saturday Night Live. One of the good one of the best reasons why it is is I know he had the, you know, the brothers with him and Steve Martin, but those were recurring. You saw that four or five times. He only does Fred Garvin once, and that's why it is so memorable. You only get to see him once. You only see him in this sketch, and he nails this sketch. And I want to say a lot of credit to uh, Margot Kidder in this sketch. Now, I will say this. 
she had a long line of dialogue, which they did in a voiceover, which is probably a better thing to do than have her read it off of cue cards. And it really, really worked. And like I said, the only downfall of this sketch is Garrett Morris playing the pimp. Not that he did a bad job. I'm just saying, it, you know, we could have had a better twist with Jane Curtin, you know, Lorraine Newman, any of the any of the females uh, playing playing the pimp and getting in there, you know, and taking care of Fred. And the fact every time he breaks character and looks right at the camera and says Fred Garvin, male prostitute, I just lost it. I forgot how much I love that sketch. Rewatching it, boom. If find that sketch, I don't. I don't think that sketch is online. I think you just get. A uh, uh, little uh, the snippet of Fred Garvin, male prostitute. But if you can find that sketch, watch that sketch. Then we go to Weekend Update, which was good because in the episode before, and I'm going to jump ahead in the episode after, we don't get the Weekend Update. And in this Weekend Update, it is Bill Murray and Jane Curtin, and they go and the relationship. There's a relationship between Jane Curtin and Bill Murray and Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd in this sketch. And in this one, it's played off that Jane Curtin and Bill Murray are lovers, which was very, very cute and very, very nice. Now, all the news stories are very, very dated, so the news stories aren't going to mean a lot. And the jokes are going to fall flat just because the material is so dated. Now, during this, we have a guest star, Father Guido Sarducci, and uh, Guido Sarducci talks about becoming a, uh, he talks about St. Patrick, and he talks about becoming, uh, how you can become a saint. The one thing I liked about Father Guido Sarducci is he does a lot of religious humor, but he's not making fun of religion. The, this, the religion is just the background, just the backdrop to the humor. It's very, very funny, and it's non-offensive. Anybody can enjoy this humor. You're not going to be offended by this humor if you are a religious person. And if you're not a religious person, you're still gonna enjoy this humor. It was a very, very nice monologue by Father Guido Sartucci. And we cut back, and now, replacing Bill Murray is Dan Aykroyd. And this is where we get the famous scene, or the famous line, Jane, you ignorant slut. Another high point in Dan Aykroyd's career. They do count counterpoint and at that time, Lee Marvin's wife was divorcing him, and they were talking about how much money a woman should get with a man for giving up his career. And Jane Curtin starts, and she just lays into Lee Marvin, and she just lays into Dan Aykroyd. And after she's done, Dan Aykroyd just looks at her and says, Jane, you ignorant slut. And then he goes in, and he lays into her, and he lays into Lee Marvin's ex-wife. The brilliant part of this is they play it as newscasters. They're not playing it as I hate you and you hate me. They're playing it as Jane Curtin delivers her point of view to Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd delivers his point of view to her. It's mean and it's harsh, but they both know they're doing it as the news because at the end of the segment, they shake hands. They realize we're professionals. None of this was personal. I gave it to you, you gave it to me, we're done. And that's how the and that's how weekend update ends. Now we come to another ten minute sketch called Superman, where it's where all the different characters are playing superheroes. Because we have Margot Kidder, so she's obviously playing Lois Lane, and Bill Murray is playing Superman, and Dan Aykroyd is playing the Flash, and John Belushi is playing the Hulk. 
you know what and they're combining marvel and dc what they were they were cross they were they're 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 cross-generating they're cross-pollinating they can't do that but they did we get all of these superhero characters and their wives and and the lana lang that's what i liked about the sketch jane Curtin plays lana lang superman's childhood girlfriend back in smallville she's here and she's talking to lois lane and they're going back and forth so it was sort of an obscure character to bring into this sketch which adds a lot to this sketch if you don't know who she is she is just a foil to uh, lois lane in the sketch if you do know who she is it just gives another level of how much the writers put into the sketch all of the women play girlfriends or wives to the superheroes I would have rather seen the ladies show up as female versions of the superheroes. That would have been nice to see. Because as the night goes on, all these extras show up. Spider-Man shows up, and The Thing shows up, and Spider-Woman shows up. And I was especially shocked to see Spider-Woman show up because she was only invented as a character two years before. Having her on the show only being only being relevant for two years I thought was very very progressive at the time and they have the invisible girl Sue Storm show up it's a nice eclectic group of superheroes there and it's played as all these guys know each other all the women are talking about how the trouble they have with their husbands yeah and you see the flash you see Dan Aykroyd and the Hulk smoking you see these superheroes smoking They've just, it's just a casual party that's just superheroes and being a superhero fan I love and they played it you know they played all the heroes just like regular Joes and I will say this Dan Aykroyd is in the Flash co costume and Dan Aykroyd has a huge unit they did not try to cover that up at all and those tights left nothing to the imagination congratulations to you my friend Dan Aykroyd you my friend I can see why you've stayed married all these years. Woo! Nice going. The gist of the sketch is, the gist of the sketch is, Lois Lane sends Superman out for ice, and then he comes back as Clark Kent, and she confides in him that Superman is boring. And Bill Murray gets pissed and walks away as Clark Kent, and then flies back in as Clark Kent, and just tells everybody to leave. That's how the sketch ends. Superman is pissed that Lois Lane thinks that he is just a dud in life, in bed, always. It's an abrupt ending to seeing all these superheroes just being scuttled out the door. Uh, we got to get out. Superman's because everybody is still, Superman is still the most powerful being out of all of them. So we don't want to make Superman mad. Everybody out the door. The sketch is nice. This is one of those long sketches where it could have been trimmed down. There are some a few dull moments uh, in there. The, uh, you know, Belushi is great as the Hulk. He plays it as a frat boy. Just seeing Dan Aykroyd smoking a cigarette as the Flash, that's funny. Bill Murray and Margot Kidder. Uh, Margot Kidder is obviously reading lines off of cue cards, so the, the, um, you know, the play between Bill Murray and Margot Kidder is not as good as the play between uh, Dan Aykroyd and Margot Kidder and Fred Garvin. It's a little stiff. It's a little it's a little slow. There are some lines that were supposed to get laughs, which they didn't, and that's just the way that Margot Kidder delivered them. 
But all in all, it's just an enjoyable sketch to see all of the Saturday Night Live. Oh, 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 oh I forgot. 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 Back, 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 back. Garrett Moore shows up as Ant-Man, and they all make fun of Ant-Man. Once again, the time we are now where Ant-Man gets his own movie, and Ant-Man is sort of the hero of, uh, you know, of the Avengers movies, being able to, you know, to bring people back from the Thanos and all that. So Ant-Man is the man now in 2019, but in 1979, they were just making fun of him, just being able to shrink down to the sides of ants and have the strength of a man as an ant. It was really, really funny, and it was just a really, really woo-woo moment seeing all these heroes making fun of Ant-Man, and in the future, Ant-Man is the man. So, anyway, and then after that, we go to the good nights. Everybody says good night. Don Pardo, once again, we go back, and we have another Don Pardo. Stay tuned for the best of Saturday Night Live. And we have our final episode on the tape, which is weird. Because they picked an episode that John Belushi is not in. Richard Benjamin hosts this. John Belushi was not in this episode because he and Dan Aykroyd were in California filming 1941 at the time. And John Belushi got an ear infection and couldn't fly back to New York. So they had to shoot the episode without him. I don't know how much changes they had to make. I don't know what sketches were written for him. They had to change because he couldn't make it. But I just find it odd that you would take the best of Saturday Night Live 1979 and have one of the episodes that you choose not include John Belushi. Well, sort of not include John Belushi. I'll get to that in a second. The opening scene is Dan Aykroyd arriving and telling everybody that John Belushi can't make it. So they, they tell you that John Belushi can't make it. And Jane Curtin makes a couple of, takes a couple of jabs at John Belushi when Dan Aykroyd tells him that he can't make it. And I can, I can understand this because from what I've heard is John Belushi was extremely misogynistic on set. And he always felt that women weren't funny. And he would always tell them to their faces that women weren't funny. Jane Curtin took the most umbrage to this. So this was her way of sort of uh, a small getting back at John Belushi. And as she's walking off this... Actor walks on and starts going through John Belushi's locker. Dan Aykroyd says, you can't do that. That's John Belushi's locker. And he says, oh, I'm, you got to have seven players. John Belushi is gone, so I'm taking over with John Belushi this week. And it's really, really stiff, and it's really, really awkward because this guy did not have any of his lines memorized, and he's reading it from the cue card from start to finish. Dan Aykroyd's trying to cover it up as much as possible, but you can tell that this guy is just reading, reading, reading. And the, the gist of the sketch is to let everybody know that John Belushi is not going to be in the show that week. And then we cut to the monologue. It's Richard Benjamin doing the monologue. So this is a monologue where last episode I told you that they, they take a, a cast member to help a a host that may not be good. This is... Uh, this is the opposite where the host can do, because Richard Benjamin is doing this long, long spiel about how he met a new woman, and that new woman is Gilda Radner. This episode, and this monologue, the cast member is just a cherry on top. It just pops at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the monologue. She comes in and says, stop 
bothering me. Stop. I'm not in love with you. Leave me alone. And she slaps him. So that just gives us an end to the monologue. And the Margot Kidder monologue is they had to sort of take her by the hand. It's like, we don't want to leave her up here alone to do this. So we will take her and turn her monologue into a sketch. Then we go to the only time you'll see John Belushi. And it is a commercial parody, Little Chocolate Donuts. And it's just John Belushi talking about how he eats little chocolate donuts to help win decathlons and win races. It's a very, very short. It's a little over a minute. Uh, it's just John Belushi smoking and eating donuts and telling kids to smoke and eat donuts if you want to be a fine athlete like him. Then we go to the nerds, the characters of Bill Murray and Gilda Radner playing the nerds. Bill Murray is Todd and um, Gilda Radner is Lisa. So Todd and Lisa the nerds. We see that Todd arrives at Richard Benjamin's house playing the older brother of the nerd. And Todd wants to use Richard Benjamin's apartment to seduce Lisa. And Lisa shows up and Richard Benjamin leaves. So it's just Bill Murray and Gilda Radner. And Bill Murray sets the mood and he starts, you know, giving Gilda Radner wine. And in this in this scene, multiple times, you can tell that Bill Murray went off script to make Gilda Radner laugh. And in this sketch, Gilda Radner just loses it a couple of times. And the audience loses it when Gilda Radner loses it. And to me, this is sort of organic falling out of the moment, but keeping the moment. Because this is something that she probably, if she was actually that character, she would probably start laughing at herself if it was happening. And that's what she's doing in this sketch. It's not Jimmy Fallon where he's just giggling at everything. This is just two performers who know each other so well. They know how to get each other to laugh and get each other to heighten the scene by just being more real. It's You have to watch the scene just to see it. It's two people who love performing together. And you can see that they love performing together. Gilda Radner and Bill Murray. The thing about the scene is it's sort of hinting that Bill Murray is getting her drunk to take advantage of her, which is a no-no. You can't do that, Bill. Once again, 1979, different time. Gilda Radner's mom, played by Jane Curtin, comes in, and then Richard Benjamin comes back, so we have all four nerds there at one time, and then they all go out to dinner. This sketch is just made by Gilda Radner and Bill Murray. I... We could have cut out Jane Curtin and Richard Benjamin. I know they were there just to get the sketch from point A to point B. But you, in this sketch, you just want to see Bill Murray and Gilda Radner acting against each other. This is an 11-minute sketch. It could have been a compact five-minute sketch with just Bill Murray and Gilda Radner playing against each other. It's not a horrible long sketch, but it just shines when those two are on. And the other two, like I said, are just filler to get the sketch from one point to another. Then we go to a 14-minute sketch called The Pepsi Syndrome, which is a takeoff of the Jane Fonda movie The China Syndrome. <coughs> Excuse me. It's set in Two Mile Island, and Bill Murray comes in, and once again, it's uh, Bill Murray, and we see his brother Brian Doyle Murray. Bill Murray spells, spills some Coke on, on the control panel, and the the reactor explodes because he did that. And he calls it The Pepsi Syndrome. And I had to stop. I was just about to rewind the tape because I know when they came in that Bill Murray said he spilled Coke on the panel. 
And I was just about to rewind, and Bill Murray said, It's any cola. Coke. RC. What about 7-Up? No, it wouldn't work with 7-Up. That's the uncola. It's called the Pepsi Syndrome, even though they poured Coke on the control panel. And the sketch follows the movie The China Syndrome. Richard Benjamin plays uh, the PR man trying to downplay it. Uh, and then uh, uh, Franken and Davis show up. This is the only time they show up in any of these episodes as a mime troupe that talks trying to explain why Two Mile Island and nuclear energy is the way to go. Then we cut back to the control room and uh, Dan Aykroyd shows up as President Jimmy Carter, once again nailing the impression. Lorraine Newman shows up as his wife. Uh, and uh, Bill Murray figures out that it's the Pepsi syndrome and he walks into the room uh, where all the radiation is and he becomes infected in radiation. Then we cut to a scene of Jane Curtin telling Rosalind Carter that her husband is now the amazing colossal president, which is a takeoff on the movie The Amazing Colossal Man. And to find out how big he is, they bring in Rodney Dangerfield. So they call Rodney Dangerfield. And Rodney Dangerfield just does three or four jokes about, hey, I tell you what, figure the president's so big. And uh, and it's just a nice, fun little... Uh, it's only maybe a minute, maybe 45 seconds to a minute that Rodney Dangerfield's on screen. This is his first appearance on Saturday Night Live. And he just comes in and he just delivers jokes about how big the president is, and then he leaves. And then we cut to, uh, once again, the PR man. Oh, I'm sorry. We got to back up. We got to back up because after the president leaves, we send in, once again, Garrett Morris playing the black maid has nothing to do. They send Garrett Morrison to clean up the uh, nuclear facility with all the radiation in there. Now we cut to Richard Benjamin, the PR man, telling everybody that the president is fine. And then we cut to a window and we see a giant president's face. So he's the 50 foot, he's the colossal president, and he is now going to marry the cleaning lady, Garrett Morris, who is now 50 feet. And uh, the, the scene ends with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Garrett Morris kissing because they, uh, they are now the power couple of Washington. And then we go to the good nights. And that's the end of the tape. And I enjoyed watching the best of Saturday Night Live 1979. I think it would have been a better tape if it was more spread out through the entire season, if they had the best bits of the entire season and not just use episodes. And if they were going to use episodes, at least use episodes that had John Belushi in all three. I'd feel a bit gypped if I bought this and found out that they picked an episode that, didn't, that he wasn't in. But it's a VHS tape. They have all the seasons on DVD now, so you can pick up all the episodes from the first five years and enjoy yourself re-watching those. To me, this was a little blast from the past because I had the best of Chevy Chase, I had the best of John Belushi, I had the best of Dan Aykroyd on VHS growing up, so I enjoyed watching this. If you have a VCR, this tape is only going to be one or two bucks on eBay. Pick it up if you want to. Dan Aykroyd has so many high points in this VHS tape. First of all, in the first episode, Twilight Zone, where he goes from Rod Serling to George Burns to Alfred Hitchcock seamlessly. He nails all three of those. Then, of course, we have... Uh, but the high point for me is Fred Garvin, male prostitute. I love this sketch. 
Dan Aykroyd plays it with he plays it with sincerity. This sounds weird, but he plays the male prostitute, this middle-aged male prostitute, he plays it with sincerity. He plays it like, this is a job that I have to do to support my family. So we're just going to get down the business and we're going to do it. And we also have the famous line, Jane, you ignorant slut, where he goes back and forth with Jane Curtin. In my opinion, Dan Aykroyd nails every single one of his performances on this VHS tape. And that's it. And this has been another Dan Aykroyd podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please support me on my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Scott White. If you're listening to this on Apple, uh, please rate it and write a review. That will help other people find it. And if you have any other questions, you can uh, visit my website, scottyblanco.com, and get in touch with me there. Other than that, I will see you next time on the Dan Aykroyd podcast.